If you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me in the book of Luke to chapter 22. I want to, I, I talked this morning, um, or preached this morning, uh, about some of the events having to do with the birth of Christ. Uh, tonight, I feel led to go to the other end of his life here on earth. And so let's go to the, uh, Luke chapter 22. Uh, I want to begin at verse 39, and we'll read this section of Scripture, maybe through verse 46. Luke chapter 22, beginning at the 39th verse, it says, And, and he came out and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here one more time tonight thanking you for the good day and the many blessings. Thanking you, Lord, for the opportunity you've given us to gather here tonight and to worship together and to, and to just, uh, uh, just to serve you. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings that you poured out on us, but thank you most of all for your son Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would just move in a mighty way. Pray, Lord, that you'd stir our hearts. God, you know each one of us. There's nothing that is hidden from you, nothing you don't know, nothing you don't see, no surprises to you. And so, Lord, knowing our hearts and knowing our lives as only you do, God, I'm praying that you would move upon each one of us here tonight. I'm praying, Lord, that you would just uh, stir us tonight. God, that you draw us near to you. Lord, that we would just feel your sweet, holy presence here tonight. Oh, Lord, we invite your presence in. And God, I just pray tonight that you would just, uh, Lord, that you'd just show up and do what only you can do. And we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, encourage us, lift us up, draw us near to you. Lord, if any need a touch from you, Lord, let tonight be the night. And if any of us have let sin come into our lives, God, convict us of it, Lord, so that we might repent and turn back to you before it's everlasting too late. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. All of us, without exception, are subject to temptation. You do not come to a point in life that you are no longer tempted. 
there may come a point, no, not may, that's wrong, there will come points in life whenever you, um, what tempts you will change, right? So the things that tempted me when I was a young man aren't really the same things that tempt me for the most part today. So your temptations may shift throughout this life, but there will never come a point at this side of eternity. Don't... There is churches that teach, and I strongly disagree with this teaching. I don't think it's biblical at all. But there's churches that teach that you can come to a point in your relationship with God, that you can get to a point that you are, have a special, I'll say it this way, have a special encounter with God in a uh, filling of the Holy Spirit, that you come to the point that you, you don't sin anymore, you're uh, not affected by temptation anymore. I, I call that, you know, uh, we talk about young men, and we all go through it as young men where we think we're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Well, that's kind of the spiritual equivalent of that, you know, thinking that you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof, or maybe arrowproof, right? The fiery darts of the, of the enemy. Well, uh, let me tell you something. All that is, in my opinion, is I don't think it's biblical. I don't think that the Bible teaches that. I don't think that you can back that up scripturally. And I think that that is an opportunity uh, for the devil to lull you into a false sense of security, to get you to, to off of your guard, to get you to think that, you know, nothing can touch you. Listen to me. None of us are exempt from temptation. This includes, I, I'm talking to everybody. I don't care how young or old you are. I don't care how new you are as a Christian or how old you are as a Christian. I don't care if you just got saved today or you've been serving Jesus for 50 years. Now, what tempts you may shift. But we are all subject to temptation. Many people every day fall into the temptations of doing wrong. I mean, that's the bottom line, right? That's what the temptation is. The temptation is to do wrong, to sin, right? Many people every day fall into that. And, and, and sometimes entire lives ruined because of it. The counsel that Jesus gave his disciples here, I think, is very appropriate. It was very appropriate for them, very fitting for them, and it is still good for us today. So let me just say right off the bat, let me make my first point. This is good advice, right? Let's go back for a second. Look at the last verse that I read here. Verse 46. And he said unto them, this is Jesus, right? So this is right here at the very end. He's getting ready to get arrested, be tried, be um, beaten, and then be put on the cross and executed, right? That's what is getting ready to unfold over the next 24 hours or so, right? The Last Supper has already taken place. They've already washed feet, right? He's been betrayed by Judas, right? They have went to the garden, right? What I've read to you is where he is praying, right? And he's asking God, you know, uh, if 
this, if this suffering, if this heavy load, if this temptation, right, if it can be uh, taken from me, right? Uh, you know, he says, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, right? So this is what's happening. This is the great moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says to his disciples, Why sleep ye? Right? He's already told them before he went off by himself to pray. Not to sleep, right? To stay awake and to pray. Pray. In verse 40 he says, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Verse 46 he says, Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. It's good advice. It's good advice for them then, and it's good advice for us now in every situation you find yourself in. Christ knew the allurement of sin. Now, let me stop for a second. I said this was good good advice. Jesus knew what he was talking about, and I'm getting ready to make the case of why he knew what he was talking about, how he knew what he was talking about. But let me just say this right now. Do you know what, whenever temptation comes your way, you know what our natural reaction is, right? Well, I mean, first of all, if we don't resist it at all, it's going, you're enticed by it and you just fall right into it. Maybe you're deceived and, and, and duped into it. I honestly believe the Holy Spirit, red, you know, sirens are going off, red flags are going on, and the Holy Spirit's trying to stop you, warn you, or whatever, and you may push all that aside. You may ignore that. Everything inside of you is telling you, don't do this, this is bad, this is wrong, don't do this, right? And it, let's just be super honest. For most of us, near, I'd say all of us, at least sometimes, even when we're at our most spiritual, our reaction will be to use our own willpower to try to resist. Am I wrong? If I'm wrong, you call me out for being wrong. That is, that, that's where we default to. If we don't give right into it and we try to resist it, <clears throat> we default to resisting it in our own power. And what happens, I'm not going to say every time, but what happens most of the time? We don't do too well with it, do we? With me, it might be my temper in my mouth. And I might, I'll bite my tongue for just a minute and try to resist it in my, own, uh, in my own power, my own ability, and then I'll figure out a way to get off my remark or my angry outburst or whatever anyways. And then I'll justify it by being mad by what the circumstances is or what the other person did or so on and so forth, right? Okay, so I, I give you just a small example there, but that would apply so many things, right? Maybe, uh, maybe it is enticement. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it is, uh, you know, we could go through a whole greed. We go through a whole list of things. Jesus says, well, let me back up with what he doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, grit your teeth and with every ounce of Willpower you can muster, resist, resist, resist. 
Jesus doesn't say, you guys are sleepy and you're going to be tempted to fall asleep when you should be watching and praying. And he doesn't say to them, so hold your eyes open, right? Drink a cup of coffee, right? Talk to each other, slap each other. He don't say anything like that. What's he tell them to do? Pray. 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 Oh, that sounds so simple. You stop and think about it. That's good advice. That's good advice. Let me challenge you. The next time the serious temptation comes your way, I don't mean just a fleeting passing one that you can walk right past and forget about five seconds later. I'm talking a serious temptation comes your way. My prayer is that God will bring to your remembrance what I'm saying right now, and I challenge you to try this. And this is crazy. I know it. But here it is. I challenge you to do what Jesus said. Pray. Do not try to resist it with your willpower. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do it. Pray. Pray. Turn to God right then and pray. You might say, preacher, okay, how long? One prayer, two prayers? Pray until the temptation passes. Don't stop. Don't stop. Bible says I pray without ceasing. Give it a try. Pray. Christ knew. I said I was going to make case. He knew what he was talking about. Christ knew the allurement of sin. He knew what it was like to be tempted, right? I mean, think about it for just a minute, right? If we back up into both Luke and Matthew's account, right? Uh, he was tempted, right? He endured it for 40 days uh, at the start of his ministry, right? Led by the Spirit of God out into the wilderness and tempted by Satan himself 40 days and night. I believe with all my heart it was temptation like no other, like no human being has ever endured before, right? And, and because of this, because he went through that, he is able to give us advice like this. That's why it says in Hebrews 2.18, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He was able to, the Bible uses the word secure, which means help. He was able to secure them that are tempted. He's able to help them that are tempted. First, because he's God, and he's God in the flesh. And because there, what is it that he doesn't know? He knows everything. But listen, he's not talking about something that he has not experienced himself. There is no temptation that you or I will ever go through what he hasn't endured and endured much worse. He knew the danger here in this instance was close at hand. Here, the disciples were being tested. They actually did not perceive. Now think about it for a minute. They didn't realize the danger. They didn't realize what was getting ready to walk in that garden in just a minute. And they didn't realize what, the, what that meant and what the result of that was going to be. He had told them over and over and over again, but they still did not get it. We talked about that in our Wednesday night Bible study. They just didn't get it. So, here, the disciples were being uh, they were being tested. They did not perceive the danger that was coming, but he foresaw it and he urged them to pray. He knew. He knew the power of prayer. I think we miss the power of prayer. I think we under, 
underestimate the power of prayer. I think that we don't get it. I think sometimes we get, uh, we get prayer and spreading gossip mixed up. I think sometimes we get prayer and, 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 and <coughs> I don't know, all these other things, right? Just the desire to talk and to be heard and share concerns. I think sometimes we get that mixed up and we don't realize the power that we have in prayer. Jesus understood the power of prayer, right? You pray in faith, believing. The Bible talks about it moving mountains, right? Prayer makes a difference. Effectual, James said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means if you're right with God and you pray, you reach the throne of God with your prayers and you're praying in the will of God, it makes a difference. It changes things. So Jesus knew the power of prayer. He knew also the weakness of his disciples. And he knew that soon they would all forsake him. That they would even deny knowing him. He knew that was all getting ready to come. He knows the places where we are most exposed to danger. And the urges and the temptations that we're going to face and that we need to resist. So he tells them, and he's telling us to pray. It tells us in James chapter 4 and verse 7 to resist the devil. And in doing so, he will flee from us. So this is good advice. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Let me say this. I give a second point here. This advice, advice is needed. It was needed for them in that day. It's needed for us today, right? The Lord understands the powerful forces, <clears throat> excuse me, the powerful forces that are at work. Um, Ephesians, let me see here. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And he goes on and he says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Because of this, because of what you're facing, we've got to put on the whole armor of God. That's why he makes the case for the whole armor of God. But listen, I want you to understand that we're not wrestling against each other. We're wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What do you think that means? Do you realize what he is saying there? Do you realize the, I don't know how else to explain it, the cosmic battle that is taking place in the spiritual realm for the soul of man? Jesus understood this. He understood the forces that are at work and how powerful they are that are fighting right now for not only each soul that is sitting here, but also for the souls of your parents, your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your friends, your neighbors, people you know and the people you don't know. And so the Lord understands those powerful forces that are at work. Does it work to tempt and to, uh, you know, being tempted and the weaknesses of our flesh 
to fall into it. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, let me read this to you. In Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 15 and 16, go right with this. It says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know what those verses are saying? It's saying a lot, but this is the point I want to make from it tonight. We can't ever say he doesn't understand what we're going through because he does completely and perfectly understand what we're going through. He's been there himself. And because of that, we can come boldly unto the throne of grace because of what he's done. We can boldly approach God in order to obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need, in our time of trouble, in our time of hurting, in our time of temptation. Listen, temptation is a common experience. Uh, this surprised me a little bit as, after I started pastoring as I encountered this more and more. It surprised me how many Christians think that they're the only one that is going through or enduring the temptation that they're enduring in the moment. It has also surprised me how many people, and I'm, but Howard encountered this before, and Jimmy, and it surprised me how many people in my own congregation at different times, you know, over the years, different congregations, not just here, who has thought that somehow even I don't experience the same temptations or similar temptations as what they've experienced. Like somehow God's, you know, elevated me to some special level and I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't even get it. It don't make sense to me. Listen to me. Whatever it is that you're experiencing, the temptation that you're dealing with, the sin that the devil's trying to allure you into, trying to get you to do, you're not the only person experiencing it. You're not the only person going through it. Look around. You're going to see a room full of people who experience and go through, if not the exact same thing, very similar things. Maybe they're going through it right now. Maybe they've already been through it. Remember I talked about seasons in your life and temptations, not that temptations go away, but they kind of shift. They kind of, sometimes they kind of change, you know, what it is that tempts you. Some things, well, anyways. Temptation is common to a man, to a woman, to a person. Temptation is part of this walk. You don't all of a sudden get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and no longer have any temptation. As a matter of fact, the old devil's going to take an even harder run at you. And so anyways, none of us are exempt from it. These things which 
tempt us to... And, and ultimately what they're doing is, is, is sin, right? If we give in to the temptation, it's sin, and it's a wedge between us and God, right? It, it's an attempt to lure us away from God. It's an attempt to, uh, to separate us from God. It's an attempt to get us to withdraw from the Lord, from walking with the Lord. And honestly, you know, it's not as hard as I would like to think that it is for us to backslide. It's not as hard as I would like to think it is for me to get away from the Lord and not be as close to the Lord as I ought to be or have been. It will really will sneak right up on you, as we like to say. And the devil knows that. And the devil tempts us in the areas he knows that we are the weakest. That's why Jesus warned them, right, of what, of, of what the weakness is, what was going to happen. He told them what they need to do, right? They need to watch. They need to rise. They need to pray. We should consider what areas uh, uh, that we are most tempted in. And we should pray that we enter not into temptation. And we also ought to be smart about it. I have told many, many people, and it, it, originally it was young men, uh, much to my surprise, it's getting to be almost as big a problem with young women as well also. And anyways, uh, at looking at things and exposed to things on uh, that little device you probably got in your pocket, your phone, your tablet, your whatever you use to access the Internet. And I have told people and told people, look, if that is a problem for you and a temptation every time you grab it and turn it on, you are better off without it. You really are. You might think you can't live without it, but I'll guarantee you, you did. We lived for a long time without it. And I let listen to me. You might seem crazy. How could you survive in a day like today without a smartphone? I would rather. You might say, well, I'd be miserable without mine. Listen to me. You ain't near as miserable as you will be in hell. <laughs> I'd rather. I'd much rather. Go the rest of my life without ever having any kind of device in my hands that access the internet than to spend the rest of my life indulging myself all that I wanted. And it cost me my soul. And don't you think for a second the devil don't know how to tempt you and tempt me and trap each one of us because he sure does. And listen to me. He don't want you to sin and get away with it. Don't you think for a second and believe that lie that you can hide it, you can cover it up, you can get away with it. Nobody will ever know. You, you, you don't know who you are up against, obviously, if you think that. Because I'll let, you, I'll let the cat out of the bag. His game is to entice you, to suck you in, to trap you, and to make sure you get caught, too. Because that causes a lot more damage. Or even more damage. I shouldn't say a lot more damage. That, that is even... That's, his ultimate goal is to destroy you. And to destroy me. So we should be aware of where we're most vulnerable. Where we're weakest. In order to keep from falling into his traps. Listen, he tempted Adam... And Eve. You ever thought about that? <laughs> Is God perfect? Yes. 
does God do things that are not perfect? Simple question. Does God do things that are not perfect? This young man, he knows the answer, and he's dead on right. No. A perfect God, everything he does is perfect. So, he created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. Built a literal paradise and put them in it. Did he create Adam and Eve with a flaw in them? Imperfect? Or did he create the first perfect man and woman? I don't think we can logically draw any other conclusion because of the nature of who God is that he created Adam and Eve perfect. Without sin, perfect. But what happened? What happened? <laughs> Satan come into the picture, allured them, with, enticed them, with, to, tempted them to sin, and they did. And thereby, as a result of it, they brought sin into the world. And with it, death, decay, and destruction. Resulting in what you see today, a downward spiral until finally the very end, right? We see it, we think about the end of the world and the battle of Armageddon, right? It is a downward spiral until finally the Bible tells us that God will destroy this earth with fervent heat, right? I mean, that's a picture of fire and judgment and he will destroy it and recreate or create again a perfect heaven and earth. So, the old devil tempted Adam and Eve, and they fell into it, and they sinned, and, the, and they brought sin into the world. He tempted Cain to murder Abel. He tempted Job to curse God. He tempted David. Of course, Job didn't do it, but anyways, he tempted David uh, to number Israel. He tempted Jesus. He tempted Peter. He tempted Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, he, he, he played on Judas's greed. He tempts the ungodly to put off salvation, to feel like it can wait until they get older, until there's a better time, right? He tempts the elderly to believe that it's too late for them to do anything, right? He tempts Christians with pride. He sowed seeds of, uh, of discord and, and, and division among the brethren, right? Satan is constantly looking for some way to get at you in me. He tempts young people to rebel. He tempts them with pornography and, and, and plays on their, uh, their emotions and their urges and their hormones. He tempts them to do things, all of us to do things, that we know that we shouldn't do. Marriages go bad because one partner or the other chooses, makes some bad choices, things go wrong. Or they ignore their spiritual uh, uh, compatibility. They, in other words, they ignore the spiritual element of their relationship. Entering into business can be a source of temptation because it can require so much of you. This is one of many reasons, but one reason is it can require so much attention that it causes you to neglect your relationship with God. 
times of prosperity, right, of doing well, can give us a false sense of well-being and cause, uh, uh, causing our prayer life and, and faith to become neglected. Successful people get to thinking uh, that the, the success that they're enjoying, the prosperity, is because of their own abilities. That's the same sickness our nation has right now. We think that we've prospered and we've done well in the greatest nation on the face of the earth because of our own abilities. And that's not the case at all. Times of adversity can tempt you to think that God is being unfair that God has abandoned you, that God doesn't love you, or that God doesn't exist. Which all of those is exactly what Satan wants you to think. It's what he was trying to get Job to do. He failed there, but it's what he was trying to do. And so I've told you that this is good advice, but let me tell you one last thing. This advice that the Lord gives us here, my first thought was to say that it needs to be, Bible word would be heeded. Needs is wrong, must, must be heeded. In other words, we must do it. We must live by it. We, we need to take this advice. Our prayer needs to be, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what our prayer needs to be. Prayer, I've told you and tried to make the case, right? That's the only thing that is, that, that is the power, that is the tool, that is how the Lord has taught us to handle temptation. Prayer helps us, right? And that's not the only time you should pray. You, I mean, you shouldn't wait until it's a five-alarm fire and, and, and you don't know what else to do, and that's when you're going to pray. Listen to me. We need to be, as old saying goes, need to be prayed up, right? We need to be spending time in prayer, and that time in prayer, right, will help, us, help prepare us to face the temptation. And in that moment, that time, that panic, that, you know, that rush, the things that happen in that, in that moment that it comes, right, it helps us, right, to be ready and be prepared to make the right decision, to handle it in the right way, to turn to God in prayer, to pray through that. Prayer is a weapon that God has given us to fight the devil with. We miss that, but it's even included in the, in the armor of God. If we went on a while ago and went through reading the armor of God, when we got down to verse 18, it would have said there, the Apostle Paul would have told us, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. Supplication is prayer. It's a type of prayer. It's where we're asking something from God, right? Supplication for all saints. Temptation is something that comes the way to both saints and sinners alike. Don't think that there's a group that's exempt. When temptation comes, and I'm going to end with this, Jennifer. When temptation comes, take Jesus' advice. Now, I keep thinking in my head as I'm going through this and I'm preaching this. Man, this is a simple elementary message. How much more simple and elementary can it get? If you're tempted, pray. If you're tempted, pray. It is. We ought to be teaching this 
we ought to be teaching this to our little kids, starting with our little kids. And it's so simple and so elementary. And on one hand, you think, well, why in the world do you, you know, you preach this to a bunch of grown Christians that served the Lord for years. But you admitted well ago that your reaction is the same as mine. And when temptation comes our way, most of the time we find ourselves not doing what we ought to do. But you see, because of the weapon that the Lord has given us, and because of the instruction, the advice, the teaching that he has given us, we know that there's no temptation that comes our way that we can't handle. If we will take Jesus' advice and pray, you can know that God will see you through it. Man, the one thing I remember about Raymond Hayden so much is he always likes to quote and use part of his testimony. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as common demand. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation always. But with the temptation also make a way to escape that we may be able to bear it. Temptation you face, it's not something that you alone face. Many others go through it and face it too. And we serve one who understands, knows he's been there. But he's made a way of escape for us. And if you will take his advice, there is no temptation that comes your way. What, you can't come out on the other side with the victory through Jesus Christ. You just got to turn to him and pray. Pray. It's that simple. Pray. Try me. Try me and see what if I am wrong on this. Will you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you the opportunity to come. If you've got a need, if you've got a burden tonight, you just come right on. Spirit of God dealing with you tonight, you just come on. you got a need. Uh, maybe the Lord's been dealing with you. Maybe you realize you're not where you ought to be with the Lord. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you've never been saved. Well, tonight's the night. Now is your time. The opportunity's passing your way. Whatever it is tonight, you just come right on. Don't miss this.